big warm welcome to you. This is the Aware Parenting Podcast with Lael Stone and Marion Rose, PhD. We have juicy conversations about things that matter in parenting and life. We're exploring all that Aware Parenting has to offer from many different angles, and we are so glad that you're here. Hello and a big warm welcome to you. My name's Marion Rose. And I'm Lael Stone. And we are reunited again. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> it's weird when we when we, we interview someone else or have somebody else on, isn't it? We've got our little our little vibe. Yeah. I, I'm just gonna say I've got a bit of a cold. I'm on the end of a bit of a cold, so I'm a little bit more husky nasal lael today. But it's me. I'm here. I'm here. Just a little bit congested. Welcome. <laughs> Welcome to wherever we, are, wherever we are. Should we do a little check-in then? How have you been now? You haven't oh, been very. Long. I have. I've been a bit under the weather, and and it was really funny. You know, everyone goes, "What is it? A cold? Is it spring? Because obviously here in Australia we're in spring. Is it COVID? Is it this? Is it that?" And I was laughing because I was like, "No, it's actually me processing some emotional feelings because I've really watched myself in the last week or so be." angry and a bit stuck in stuff and watching all patterns and and I was like no just some stuff I'm releasing and feeling and you know and it's and it's past and it's all good it was funny because normally I'd go oh I caught this or it's that but I'm like no no this was just some feelings that I was stuck with so it's worked its way out of my body thank you very much but I haven't really done much for the last week just been angry just been processing feelings and now I've come out the other side Yay. What about you, Mary? How are full you doing? Of the joy, full of the joys of spring. Like it's evidence, isn't yes. it? Yet again, evidence. We go in, dive in deep, feel the feelings, get the love, come out the other side, go la, 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 just like our children do. So yay for you. What about me? We are still in puppy, puppyville, new puppyville, just like aware parenting, but with puppy. <laughs> and it is spring, <laughs> nearly. <laughs> So we've also got baby birds that may be also making an appearance. We've got little baby birds all over our house, like sitting on the floor or sitting on the bed. Oh my <laughs> my what is, is the fairy? What is the Disney fairy tale? Which is it? Rapunzel? Where she? No, one of them. There's a Disney where she sings to the birds and the the mice like clean her house, and that's that's you. <laughs> the birds. Are there. Do you sweep and sing, and the birds chirp as you do it? <laughs> They wake me up every morning and they say, quick, can I op- open all the doors? We want to get yeah. out. So they, and, and if I don't, they kind of swoop over me and try to wake yeah. me up. <laughs> oh, beautiful. I love it. I love you in your little utopian <laughs> forest land. <laughs> oh, so good. Well, all right. Glad- well, sorry, love. I'm glad say? we've had this top bit of laughter because we're now going to talk about something that you, we all might have some feelings in relation yes. to babies and birth trauma. Yes. And we have done a podcast. We've done two where we've talked about birth trauma. We did one really early on when we first started our podcast and one, I think last year, which was just more about somebody else's story around how that was for them with birth trauma. But I think we both felt it was really important to bring some more information and understanding around what it can be like for babies when there is birth trauma. And I think it it just is so powerful, isn't it, around um, what Aletha Salter's Aware Parenting Work speaks to in in the possibility of healing for our babies. And if you've listened to our podcast for a while, you know that that is what brought me to Aware Parenting because I had quite a traumatic birth experience with my third baby. And the question I had when we came out the other side of it was, how am I going to help her to heal from this? 
I knew enough to know that the experience that we'd had had been really big and challenging and how am I going to help her release this trauma from her body? How are we going to go back and heal all the parts we didn't get to do, the, you know, the skin on skin, the first gaze with each other, all the interventions, like how are we going to heal this? And so that was what really got me on this path of aware parenting. And so we both, I guess, wanted to say in this podcast, we really invite you to be super compassionate with yourself if you have had a challenging birth experience and if some of the things that we talk about in this podcast brings up lots of feelings for you, then we really invite you to reach out for some support or be very gentle and kind and compassionate with yourself around how this might feel. Birth trauma is a very big and real thing that happens statistically. One in three women experience traumatic births and it's it's a huge thing in our culture and in our world today and I think it's really important that we just be super kind and gentle to ourselves around this topic so we really invite you to be very gentle with yourself if you're listening and you have experienced some trauma in birth yes and we'd also love to say if your baby is crying for long spells and you feel concerned in in any way or just they're crying and you feel concerned to always please before listening to crying just to to make sure you know if you need to to get them checked out medically or any of that kind of stuff just you know really we're always talking about crying in arms when all needs are met so if you do have any concerns about their physical well-being we always want to put that in place first and I would love to add in terms of what you said that that birth trauma for babies brought you to aware parenting and I'd love to say that it did for me as well although for me it was my own experience as a very premature baby in in an incubator 54 years ago and the the whole journey that took me on to really understanding babies and to psychology and oh there's a big frog outside can you hear that frog very loudly it's so loud and then you know the whole journey to to actually then practicing aware parenting with my own children so interesting actually that it's that this is the origin for both of us of why why we were drawn to aware parenting and from our own experiences and what I would love to say from from my own experience only starting to heal from my own birth trauma as an adult that it's a very long journey if we start in adulthood I would say Mm. and so that's why I'm so passionate about supporting any parent who understands the experience that babies have and how much they are affected by their birth and now even when you said you know one in three women experience a traumatic birth you know for babies I would say you know for, for all babies you know because I'm passionate about really seeing things from the baby's perspective that birth is a huge experience even if it's really calm and blissful and orgasmic for a woman you know it's still a huge massive experience for a baby and coming into the world is a massive thing so you know in terms of the definition of trauma being something that that a baby or a child or an adult experiences as a threat you know birth it's very normal for all babies to to need to express feelings in relation to their birth and some babies some babies that will be a few you know they have had a has been a relatively easy and peaceful birth and for those who've had really big experiences you know like like your second daughter Lel and who've had separation as well you know it can be a massive journey but the wonder of aware parenting and I think that's what makes it unique is that it really understands that babies come into the world with the capacity the ability to heal from that stress and trauma right from from day dot and the power we have as parents to really cooperate with that natural process Hmm. I, I would also love to add to that too that sometimes 
you know, the trauma that our babies can come in with isn't necessarily just connected to the birth. It can be through the pregnancy as well. And so there's a lot of literature and, and research out there, out there now that really does support this. And it looks at things like epigenetics and that kind of thing that looks at the stress that perhaps the pregnant woman feels, how that can be passed on to the baby, the fear and the worries that sometimes women can feel, again, can create those stress hormones in the baby. So I think it's really important to remember too when we talk about this that life sometimes brings us hard traumas and and situations, right? And one of the things that we are so deeply passionate about is not blaming ourselves for how it is or for how it was. I think it's really powerful when we can sit in a place that say, well, that was the experience and what can I do to bring healing towards whatever it is? So really invite you to be kind to yourself and and in Marion's words, not pick up those emotional sticks and hit yourself around, oh, God, I did spend most of my pregnancy stressed or, you know, I chose the wrong care providers for my birth and I ended up with lots more intervention than I wanted or all those kind of things. I think it's really important to be kind and compassionate to ourselves. I mean, I would also love to say too, you know, from my background, I worked in birth for over 15 years and I attended many, many births and I taught calm birth for about 12 years. I was a childbirth educator for a long time and I have heard thousands of birth stories. I've attended many births and seen all sorts of situations and scenarios and anybody I think who works in birth these days will also tell you our system is quite broken when it comes to birth and supporting women and their needs and we do have incredibly high intervention rates in our current birthing climate at the moment and a lot of that has got to do with our systems. It's a lot of it's got to do with our culture. It's got a lot to do with money. It's got a lot to do with power. It's got a lot to do with a lot of the other things that we often talk about on this podcast. And so I have seen over the years too from working in birth that women are very, very good at defaulting to blaming themselves often. And if you are listening to this and there is a lot of feelings around your birth story and not necessarily about your baby for the moment but just about you, really invite you to do something like birth debriefing or speak to a professional who understands the birthing culture and system, who also can hold space for your feelings and for you to be able to process. Because for a lot of the women that I did birth debriefing with, when they began to understand how the system was and how that potentially let them down, perhaps the lack of support, the lack of education that they needed around what was happening in their bodies, all those kind of things that really do contribute often to birth not going the way we want it to. When they began to understand and realize that there became a place of, ah, okay, this was not my fault. This was not my body failing. This is not me getting it wrong. This is not me not being strong enough or tough enough. You know, a lot of the time what happens in birth is, is, you know, related to our system, our care providers, our support, education, many, many things that can contribute to it. So again, I really offer an invitation to be compassionate to yourself. And if thinking about your birth or you replay it in your head or you burst into tears every time you think about it, I really invite you to go and get some support and help around it because our feelings around that birth experience have a massive impact on how we parent and it also has an impact then on how we can help our babies heal if they have had stories or trauma as well. So it's it's really important to be very kind and gentle and compassionate with ourselves if if that is you and that has been your story. Oh, Lyle, I love that you include that. It's so vital and important, isn't it? And I would love to add as well that 
the more if if you have had an experience like that to actually get that birth debrief debriefing and get to heal from that experience and to see all the ways that it was it was all part of the system what happened is i've seen so many women i know you have way more than i Leo, that then go on to really reclaim their power if they do go on to have another birth and have a really different experience and no, I want to say I'm really grateful. Again, my own experience as a baby meant that I looked into this stuff really early on when I was in my 20s. So I learned about all of that stuff and the cycle of intervention and, and so on before I became pregnant. And I'm, I'm incredibly grateful for it. So all of this is in process, isn't it, of getting more and more informed. It's the information and the healing, the emotional healing. Both are really, really important, both for our own journey of becoming more and more powerful and loving and also to support our babies to actually heal from their experiences so that they actually regain their power because so often what a lot of birth interventions do for both mother and babies to really create a sense of powerlessness so so much of the healing process and I love how Aletha Salter talks about this actually in her new book Mm, healing your traumatized child which is also relevant for babies is actually that process of really getting to feel powerful again and because in many places in birth people don't experience power whether they're the, the the mother or the baby so it's so important that power piece yeah absolutely I I 100% agree with you I was I'm thinking it might be good to give a bit of context on what birth trauma might be for a baby I'm wondering if I just share a little bit of of what I observed with my daughter Tali for those of you who haven't heard some of our other episodes so my third child she I am pregnant forever so she came at like 42 weeks I just grow babies for a really long time and I had planned a can I uh, add add in one little bit there because that's one of my biggest passions is like you know that actually that's really normal and natural totally trusting trusting yeah and again part of that whole systemic thing that there's Mm -hmm. a due day and that's 40 weeks and that's over all of that to me you know I talk about a lot about the disconnected domination culture and that whole thing I think is one of it's actually also a big hurt I think so many people experience actually in being born is the idea that they are they're late or that and that they yes. actually don't get to choose their own timing and that they yes. they're coerced into coming before they're ready and that sets up so much around not you know not trusting our timing or mm. you know in every new project we do you know we, we'll talk more about this but it's such a passion of mine even in the mm. way you said that maybe that isn't a really long time at all maybe that's mm. just wonderful and maybe that's just what it is yes, yes. I think I was giving that context because I just remember feeling like I was pregnant forever. <laughs> I have a wonderful, beautiful friend and all her babies came at 37 weeks and I was like, wow, I have like a whole other massive chunk of time where I'm just working through my stuff before I have a baby. So I had planned a home birth with her. I went into labor. There were some signs that perhaps she wasn't happy. My midwife, who I trusted deeply, we transferred to the hospital because she wanted to, she was very unsure of the baby's position. We wanted to get it checked out. We discovered she was a footling breech baby. I labored for a long time to see if I could birth her vaginally. And I tried every trick in the book. And, you know, this was my third baby. Anyway, long, long, you know. Lyle, Lyle, I'm going to even invite you because I'm imagining for you, but also for anyone listening, is even also to connect in with our breath here because these things can be like for for you Lal, and for what for, you know anybody listening here these things can be really I'm sorry to interrupt you but no, no, we can get good. quite fast about it can't yes. we there's yes, something we about you right. down and the being, being with it with yes so my, that would be my invitation yes. I'm, I'm here with thank you, you darling I no I hear you I hear you I'm watching myself do that because I go there's different 
you know, she's nearly 15 now and, and there's still some feelings that come up around the story but not as many. But, yes, I'm, I watch that as I fly through it. It's probably just bypassing where the story is. Anyway, we will go back to it became pretty clear that I needed to have a cesarean. She wasn't coming out any other way. And so we went to have a cesarean and I had a very strong reaction to the drugs and so did she. And so she was cut out very quickly, but she was being resuscitated for, for close to 10 minutes. And it was a pretty grim prognosis for her, you know, the, the lack of oxygen, her responsiveness, all those kind of things. So that was it was a huge shock for me when I think about it. I was a birth worker. I had birthed my babies vaginally before. I'd had a home birth before that. You know, a cesarean wasn't even on my radar or something that I would do. And it, so it was a there was a whole huge incredible story that unfolded for me around that experience. But really what happened is then when you know, after the cesarean, you know, we were told that they didn't expect her to live. And so she was intubated. She was put like in an induced coma. She was on cooling mats and she was for nearly four days. She was non-responsive in the sense of that they had, they were trying to call her body to, to swap, stop any swelling in her brain. So she didn't open her eyes. We weren't even really allowed to touch her because she had to stay cool. You know, and it was very much a, we don't know whether she'll live or not. So of course there was a whole lot of fear that went on for us. There was a massive amount of trust that we were being asked to sit in. And all the questions for me of like, did I make this happen? What should I have done this earlier? All the stories that come up around that, you know, and and that's part of debriefing a story, talking to the doctors, my midwives, all those kind of things. I mean, I sit here now 15 years later and go, her story was perfect for many reasons of of who she is in the world, for what unfolded for me. I absolutely see that it was there was no fault or blame on anybody's place. It was just how sometimes life happens. And so really then after four days when she did they took her they took her out of the coma and they took her breathing tube out they were so surprised that she was breathing on her own and then she had to have so many tests to see if she was okay so she was poked and prodded and all those things and so these first 7 or 8 days of her life you know i i didn't breastfeed her i couldn't hold her it was really about just survival and then she seemed to pass all these tests and and then i just knew that she was going to be okay and then we got to hold her and then i you know, was like, I want to try and breastfeed her. And, you know, I remember holding her in my arms and saying to her, you know, I I know you'll know what to do. I'm here. And she breastfed a tiny bit. And I was like, that's okay. We can do this. And anyway, so we, after about 10 days, we finally were able to take her home. And the, and the hospital's like, we, well, we can't see anything wrong with her, but you need to keep an eye on her and all this kind of stuff. So then we got home and I remember this feeling of like, okay, we're home and that was a really full on experience and uh, i just really need to survive you know because i had two other kids and so probably for the first month or so it was literally just survival he's a baby i remember thinking i just need to have her on my body as much as possible we need skin on skin we need to breastfeed all the things that we didn't get but what i observed in that first month was an incredibly stressed looking baby so she would make these movements with her hands all the time. Her body was never really soft and relaxed. She was arching her back a lot. There was a ferocious suckingness, sucking reflex that she had going on. And even when you'd look into her eyes, it was like shock, right? And it was from observing that. And I think I was blessed enough of having other children before and being around babies a lot that I knew what a relaxed, calm 
baby looked and felt like. And I was like, and this is not it. And I knew enough around trauma to go, well, that was a traumatic experience for all of us. And it must have been traumatic for her. And so how do I help her heal that? And that is actually how I came across the Aware Baby and Aletha Salter's work. And I read the book and then started, and I've shared this on our podcast before, by actually just holding her in my arms once a day, looking in her eyes after she, you know, after I'd fed her and met her needs and then just saying to her, do you want to tell me about the story or I am listening? And she would just start crying. And what was incredible was me just sitting there holding that space for her as she cried over the time of doing it, especially in those first few weeks, it was like I would literally see the tension and the trauma start to melt away from her body. And it was amazing to watch that. It was amazing to feel what would happen for me in my body. Sometimes I would cry. Sometimes I could sit there smiling at her as she did it. Sometimes I'd have to get my husband to do it and he would also hold space for her to do it. But the changes we began to see in her body, in her calmness, in her ability to sleep, all the things just started to shift massively. And I know I've shared this before too. We were having osteopathy treatment at the same time. My cousin's an osteopath and she does a lot of cranial sacral work and she was treating her every week. And once we did start doing the crying in arms and listening to her, and I'd take her back for an appointment and my cousin would be like, whoa, her whole nervous system is changing and what are you doing? And I can feel so much more ease in her body. And and so then we would start talking about it and my cousin would track the changes as the more listening I did. And, and it gave me just so much more reassurance to go, oh, there's something really powerful here. I'm listening to her story and understanding that her crying in my arms with my presence, again, only after I'd met all her needs, was one of the most incredible things I could do to help listen to her story. And from that moment on, I was like, this is, this is it. This is powerful. This is, this is what all babies need, right? Whether they've had trauma or not, but the journey of birth is big. You know, the journey of being in the world is big. The journey of bright lights and noises and all those things are so big. And and where are we giving them the space to say, hey, that feels full on or that was really loud or I don't like it how my older brother kind of pulls me or where are we giving them that space to articulate that because they are feeling beings. So for me and my own experience, it was so profound watching it unfold and seeing the changes in my daughter, watching them shifting the changes within me and it became just this incredible whole process and I think also because I'd had that experience in birth and I'd worked with many other mums and babies, I was like, whoa, this is this is the answer to helping heal trauma. Now, of course, as we mentioned at the top of the podcast, it is also about making sure they're physically okay. It's if you're ever concerned, you know, please going and seeing your care provider to check their bodies and all those kind of things. But I think I felt connected enough to her to trust my intuition and to trust my journey with it. And really what we did in the beginning is just every day around the same time, I would just sit there and listen to her tears. And sometimes it was 15 minutes, sometimes it was a half an hour, sometimes it was longer. And that's how I started just, that's all I could kind of cope with to begin with. And that's how I actually started just listening to her feelings and seeing the shift and change. And then when I became more confident in it, I was able to, read her cues a bit more and be able to go, ah, I can see here, she's not really that hungry. She's She just needs to have a little release and then she would feed well or I could see 
before sleeping, she'd need to release more. And my confidence built around reading her cues and feeling attuned to her to to expand on that listening and that that healing capacity. And and I would just love to say in, in finishing this story, he, her healing her birth story. I mean, I don't know. She's nearly fifteen now. She's the most fabulous human. I don't know if it's healed or not. I wonder sometimes if other pieces come up and we talk about it. But I remember those first few years in listening to her feelings and really holding space for her. There were times where I'd go, ah, I can see that this is connected to your birth or I can really get or sense this powerlessness, powerlessness piece here. And and when she was little, I, it was like we just worked on it, you know, often as it would shift and move and really trusting her journey around that. And it, it if anything, I feel like it was the biggest gift I could give her. It was the gift she gave me, you know, it moved me into working in this field, which, you know, again, has expanded in so many other ways. And I feel like it was just a blessing for us both to, to be able to do this, to help what was a really challenging experience and know and let her body and her being know you don't have to hold on to this and you can let it go and it does not have to shape your life. And for me, being able to listen to her feelings within that was just the most incredible way to be able to do that. Mm, I love hearing that both as a as a parent and as a mama, but also from the little baby me, from that sense that I often have is being able to really remember what it was like to experience all that kind of the, the overwhelm and the fear and the shock and, and all of those sensations and experiences as a little baby and to know that you supported her right from day dot to actually heal from those experiences and what did you say something about it not it not shaping her life and I think that's for me the power of this work is that Yes, we can heal from these things when we come to them in adulthood, but there's a way in which those foundations really do shape our lives. And in a way, the earlier that we can attend to those, the, the less that that shape is kind of constricted in certain ways. You know, I still see so, so many ways that that I've been affected by my birth experience because, well, aware parenting wasn't even around when I was born, born but, you know, the, that awareness and understanding wasn't there in in parenting in, in those days. So I just really appreciate you, Lael, and, and any parent who's really willing to support their baby to heal from what they've experienced during their birth, because I just know from firsthand experience what it's like not to get to do that and the, the other repercussions and the and that tension that you talk about and the, the held-in feelings and all the ways that they impact life. Mm. Yes. I hear you, my friend. It's big. Yeah. 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 And I think, I mean, perhaps you're listening and you've never even thought about how your birth may affect you. And for some people it may not, but, you know, what you've shared of your story, Marion, of separation, of being in an incubator, of all those things, a lot of research tells us around what sets up as our imprints in our stories in those first few hours in those first few days all those kind of attachment instincts that set up in our life and which is why 
you know, we there's so many so much great information around why skin on skin is really important when you have a baby, why natural birth can be such a wonderful thing for the baby's body, for the mother's body, why having undisturbed postnatal periods are really important where we just nourish the mother and the baby so they can bond and connect. All those kind of things that, you know, a lot of research over time has told us that are probably very instinctual or on the more natural sides, we see the benefits of what they can be for the the bonding and also for healing for, for mother baby. And so when they're interrupted, it can create stories within us. And again, it's not, it doesn't, you know, you might be sitting here thinking, well, I didn't have any of that and I'm fine. And, and perhaps you are, it's not, it's not everybody, right? We, and we talk about this a lot. We have perception and we make it mean what we make it mean. And we've all got different stories through different parts of our lives. But I think it's a really powerful thing to think about sometimes if, if you have certain stories or themes in your life that play out all the time, you know, maybe that is connected to how you were born and what happened when you were a baby. Maybe you were left alone in your room to cry when you were a little baba. Maybe you were put outside. Maybe you were smacked. All those kind of things have an impact on ourselves, our how we feel about life, relationship, all that kind of stuff. And of course, we always hold a space that everybody's doing the best job they know how with the information they have, right? So we're not looking at blame or anything, but I think it's really important to be curious to for ourselves around what our stories may be, how they still turn up in our lives, but then also what may have happened with our own babies and if there is some story and stuff there that we might need to help them unpack or we might need to listen to. Yes, and if you are curious about this, some of the things that you can think about are, do you generally experience receiving support? Do you have a sense of being held? Do you feel a sense of safety in your body? Do you get terrified at times? How is it when you start new things? Do you tend to start things and then suddenly stop? Or do you just find it really hard to start new things? All of these kinds of ways, like the core themes that we have around support, around how safe we are in the world, around our timing, all of those things can can have their roots in our birthing experience. So again, I think the power is not only, you know, if it was a, a big traumatic experience for a baby, but whatever a baby experiences, knowing that as parents we can support them, even just understanding those themes can be really helpful, can't they, to actually support them. Yeah, I wanted to share one of the first podcasts we ever did, we did talk about birth. And I, I think I mentioned on there that I was born by cesarean. And I have always made that mean in my world that I literally didn't have to struggle and I just got lifted out. <laughs> and that was my birth. I didn't have to work hard. I just got lifted out. And for me, how that's turned up in my life is I have support around me all the time. People always help me all the time. I, there's always support around me. And, and we talked about that on the podcast. And then a listener wrote in to us and said, oh, my God, hearing that has just changed everything for me because I used to have a story that meant that because I was born by cesarean, you know, I didn't, I wasn't, you know, born properly or I didn't get to experience what I was meant to or whatever it is, whatever her story was around that. But hearing you reframe that in another way was like, oh, well, well, that could also be what my story is or what that's what it could mean. So, again, I really invite you to be curious around your own perception and and what we think things are. And I think it's about, again, tuning into yourself, as you said, Marion, you know, do these themes turn up in your life around terror, around starting things, around all that kind of stuff? 
and perhaps some of those stories may be linked to how you were born or how you were when you were little. And, you know, a lot of the work that we both do is that those those stories and imprints are possible to to move on from, to start thriving from, to not burden us anymore, to be able to heal them so that we can grow and thrive and be who we need to be in the world. I also want to say, you know, you might be listening and you have a child and you might be thinking, well, what do I do now? And there's there's still every day there will be communicating things or not every day, but frequently they're going to be communicating things about their birth. And what I find really helpful, and I've experienced this many times in with my own children, but also working with other parents, is that when children going into feelings that that actually their birth experience is often like three seconds below the surface you know for us it can often require you know many years of deep work or whatever you know deep body work whatever it is but for children it's often actually really close to the surface so what I found really helpful is when my children were younger and they were expressing feelings I'd often listen to the words that they said with two lenses both the here and now lens but often also a lens of the past it's almost as if they have inner children in them as well or inner babies so they might sometimes be saying things like you know it's just just things that mm, ah, I feel really squashed I'm really squashed sometimes sometimes my daughter would say things like that and I've experienced that with with friends children suddenly started crying and just saying now let me out or you're hurting me or this it's too heavy or you know really just if your child's ever done that you might wonder what on earth is going on but to me it's like they just can dip in straight away and it's just like here I am here's my birth experience right here ready to be to be felt to be heard to be expressed and to be released and it's so powerful when we're able to actually be there and what I used to find helpful as well is holding that um, those the, the vision on both the here and now and the past is that I would also respond to them when I was listening so I'd respond to them both the here and now them but also that that younger part of them what I think they might have liked to have heard during their birthing experience so you know, I might say you know I'm right here with you and we're doing this together and and I, you know I'd reflect back what they said and I say you know you're you're safe and you know you're you did it I don't know those kinds of phrases that I thought might be helpful for them to hear so we can often think about that and to really trust these things will keep wanting to be showed to be heard and we may also find a similar thing like if you're if you have a baby and they're crying in your loving arms and you might suddenly start thinking about a particular thing that happened either during the pregnancy or during the birth and I would really trust that to trust your intuitive sense that they are probably feeling feelings from that time too so again you might feel called to to speak to them and communicate to them about what they experienced and I think that's something we really my apologies about the bird is so apt isn't it? it's all the babies calling out the babies are calling out to just to really understand that babies do understand so much more than we in our culture give them credit for and actually to communicate with them so you know perhaps if your baby and this is something that's particularly important to me is to is for babies to be understood so even if you're not listening to their feelings or perhaps they're still in the NICU or the special care baby unit depending on where you are in the world and you know they're not in a position physically yet to be doing any crying in arms but you might communicate to them you know I see how you feel sweetheart or you know I I just know for myself you know all the kind of tubes and this, this tape and the and the 
bits and bobs and all the attachments and the interventions to actually communicate to them whilst they're having those things done. You know, I'm sorry that we're doing this to you and this is to, to help you. And, and I imagine that hurts or, you know, it hurts when we take that plaster off your face. And you know, I'm here with you, sweetheart, and I understand. And, and I think the other thing I am passionate about is really to understand that for for babies in particular, you know, if we think about trauma, the there's the fight, flight, freeze response that happens. And for babies who are less able to get away, you know, they have less ability to fight or to flee. I mean, they may do a lot of kicking their arms. They might try and push, push someone away when they're trying to change a cannula or whatever it is. They may be trying to fight or, or flee and to really, again, honor that. You don't want me to do that, sweetheart. And you know, maybe even to communicate to them whilst you're doing any kind of procedures. This is the same also, you know, if you, if they wear nappies, you know, we can do EC, but elimination communication, but if they wear nappies to actually be communicating to babies because they, they understand so much and actually telling them what's going on and, and communicating those kinds of things. And to, so actually I was going to the fight or flight is that often then they will, they will dissociate. And I think that's what I've come to realize that if you can't fight and you can't flee, as a baby, pretty much the, the main response that next is to dissociate. And, and I think so often people just don't see that. So I see people with their baby and maybe the baby's experienced trauma and they're afterwards and, you know, you try and look in that baby's eyes and they'll just look at everywhere else. And, you know, all babies will do this to some extent, particularly if they've got upset feelings. So please, it's not something to be worried or concerned about, but to really understand if you, if you, if a baby has been left for, for on their own, and particularly if they've had lots of medical interventions, and you might see that particular look in their eyes, which tells you they they have needed to dissociate. It was not, it was too much. It was too overwhelming for them to actually feel those feelings and be on their own with them. And often physically, because they're not well enough yet to actually cry in loving arms, it's not it's not the time to do that. So, you know, from the little baby me who would have loved for even just one person one time to say, I really understand that this is huge for you. And I, I'm here with you. And, I, and later on, I will listen to your feelings. But I see I see that you're, you know, you're spacing out now, sweetheart. And, and I'm here with you. I get you. I get what's going on for you. Because, of course, so often as parents, and I, I can only even imagine what it was like for you, Lal, and for my mum to have been, you know, I want to cry when I even think about it, to, to witness your dear little baby going through all of this and the feelings that we, we have, we would have. But, you know, to really understand that whatever you're experiencing, your baby's going through so much. And that if you can even just hold some moments of space for... You know, I understand that you might be feeling terrified and overwhelmed with all the, the noises of the machines and powerless when, when people do all these things to your body that you don't want them to be done and overwhelmed because of, you know, just so many feelings, scared, lonely, and to really understand that, you know, babies feeling, are feeling all of those things and we can help them later on. We can listen to those feelings. But whilst we're not able to, just actually honoring and mirroring that. I see you, sweetheart. I understand. This is a lot, isn't it? You're feeling a lot. I'm here with you. I see you. I understand. It's so beautiful, Mary. And I'm really thinking about my daughter, actually, from that point of view, which I didn't, because I wasn't aware of where parenting was able to do that as much. But I... I would touch her and I would say to her, I trust you. I trust you. And I know this is 
tricky and we'll find our way through, you know, and I think for me now I'm just remembering that I actually did that. But also I love what you're saying about when they can't fight as and you're right and flee, then disassociation is the next step, which is protection. And they gave Tali, my daughter, a dummy. And I, I've never used dummies with my kids. And they gave her a dummy when she was in the NICU. And I was like, oh, I don't want you to give her a dummy. And my midwife, who was so beautiful, said, she needs that now probably because you're not here or you can't, you know, she can't, you know, she was in literally that dissociation state. Maybe that's what she needs for now. And it actually made me go, yes, that's okay, just for now, right? And it was really then when she came out and we got her home where I could be like, okay, now I can listen because we often use dummies or a pacifier, you know, to stop the feelings, right? That's it's what we do, put it in so that they don't cry. And and I I, I guess I'd even before we were parenting, I had an understanding that I didn't particularly want to use that with my children. But I, I realized that because I wasn't able to listen to her feelings, because she wasn't able to express her feelings, that was probably what she did just to be able to cope. And then when I was able to listen and then we removed the dummy and, and we didn't put it back in, we just started listening and then she didn't need to use it again. And that's where all the feelings were able to be heard. And so I think that's a really important thing to just share that, of course, when we have, if our babies have been through trauma, there, there is going to be trauma for us as well as adults and as parents because there's nothing quite like watching our little bubbers be unwell or not sure if they're going to live or have interventions. It's not easy at all. And when we're in a state like that, most of the time what we're just doing is surviving and we have to get through that survival state. And then when we have enough capacity, we go, okay, now what do we need to do? And so whatever we do sometimes in that survival state is just what we need to do to get through. And I love that you shared that because I think it is really important to go healing will happen when we are ready. And sometimes when our babies are ready and maybe, and in my case that, you know, she was like six, seven weeks old or something. For some of you, it might be your baby's two and not so much a baby anymore, but you're listening to this and going, oh, actually there's probably some story there or maybe you do have a baby at home and you've been through a tricky experience and it may be that you're listening to this going okay perhaps there is some tears that I need to listen to and one of the ways that I have worked with parents in the past is if they have had tricky tricky birth experiences is to start by actually telling your baby the story from your point of view of their birth and I know we've touched on this on our podcast before but laying beside your baby or holding them in your arms and actually starting to say, you know, this is my experience of what happened when you were born and then watching them because sometimes they might just spontaneously start crying. Sometimes they might start wriggling and moving their bodies in certain ways as they're listening to the story. Some of them may just not respond at all and, and you know, perhaps it is for you being able to just tell the story and you might need to cry and you might need to feel what it is. But when we start speaking the story, then I often find that it's opening up a a window on some level to go, okay, we can start unpacking or we can start hearing this or we can start working through whatever may be sitting there for us. Now, of course, your baby's got their own perception of their story. So it's important to go, this is my, how I saw the story and this is where it was for me. And I find that can be a very, very powerful place to start for some parents when they actually speak the story. 
And my beautiful cousin, who's the osteopath, will has said to me many times before when she treats babies in clinic and she might be doing some cranial work on the baby and she'll ask the mum or the dad about the birth, tell me about the birth. And she said what happens in the baby's bodies are incredible as the parents start talking about the birth because sometimes they will start crying, sometimes they'll move, She'll sometimes she'll feel a big shift in their body when they get to certain points. And she said it's very powerful if she has the time and space to listen to the story slowly and help the baby integrate it from that kind of cranial sacral point of view as it's doing it as well. And you don't need an osteopath to have to do that. You can also just do it at home with your little one, telling them the story. You might even tell them while they're asleep. You know, their subconscious is still listening even when we're asleep. And so even telling the story then can be a powerful thing to do. But that may be if you're not comfortable with tears yet or it feels really overwhelming, maybe start by telling the story. I love that. And babies will be constantly also wanting to communicate their story. And again, if we really slow down and connect in with our breathing and actually observe, you know, what happens when we, when we look at them, where do they, when do they look away? They are communicating all the time about their experiences, whether they're communicating that through, through crying and actually releasing and healing from the stress or trauma. They're actually always communicating to us. And when we can really slow down, which I know is really hard in our busy lives, but sometimes these are, these are the moments in life when we can actually really observe them and, we may even find that they actually start to get in particular positions over and over again. Maybe if you, um, when they're when they're going to sleep, you might find they always get in a particular position and they put their head in a particular position, or they kind of wedge it up against the, you know, the pillow or wherever it is that they're lying against, and they'll they'll keep getting in those positions. You know, they're constantly trying to communicate to us what they've experienced and what they still need to heal from. The other thing I would love to say, mm-hmm. yeah. going back to what you were sharing about the dummy or the pacifier is the way I think of it is what we talk about as control patterns in aware parenting. So those are repetitive things that that we do or babies or children do. So a dummy or a pacifier would be as a control pattern. And that's a it's a, a form of lighter dissociation. Whereas often when a baby doesn't have something like that to, to, to suck on, they might then go into a much deeper, more kind of more internal state of dissociation. So there's something to be said for exactly as you said, not only is it can be really supportive for the baby to have something like that, that's external, but that also later on when we're wanting to support them in healing from the process and actually rather than sucking, which is, is a, creates dissociation and love to say that you know dissociation can be quite pleasurable that's the whole point of it you know we have this amazing wisdom to rather than to feel physical and emotional pain to actually to create all these beautiful hormones in our body that actually not only stop us from feeling the pain the painful physical or emotional sensations but that actually create a kind of a kind of pleasurable experience which is why you know it can be so hard to 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 release these things as babies adults or children but what I was actually going to say is then also if we're wanting to support our babies then it can be an easier process then to support them in in not having the dummy or pacifier than when the dissociation's kind of gone really deep so again having that kind of external thing can actually help the process be easier and smoother for, for the baby as well so that they can get to feel their feelings with us and express them and heal from the trauma. Uh, And I think it's a really great thing to remind everybody again that the opposite to that repression, suppression or dissociation is connection. And so if you do have a little one that does suppress their feelings a lot, 
then bringing connection is what helps to melt some of that dissociation. And so that can be through touch, that can be through eye contact, it can be through just presence. All those kind of things can help bring shift our children out of that dissociation into more of that connection piece. And as you're talking about that again too, I'm, I'm remembering with Tali particularly because she was a footling breech baby, one of her legs kind of came out. <laughs> this all sounds so good. This is a good visual for you. And that's when we realized, oh, she was stuck and not in a good position. And so that leg that kind of came down through my cervix and then she had to, we had the cesarean and she was pulled back up. Often when we would touch her leg, that leg that came out, you know, a month and a bit later, she would always start crying and it, and it began, I began to see, ah, this is a, a point in her body that's holding a lot of story around it. And so I would gently sometimes massage her leg or hold her foot and often she would start crying with it and I would just say to her, I'm here and I'm listening to you and you're doing a good job and I just gently hold it. It was like bringing the presence to the story, particularly through her leg and and then, and so we did that for a while and then, and then she stopped crying around it. And then it was really interesting when she began to crawl, she would crawl, but not use that leg. And I was like, oh, there's a hole. She used to drag the leg. And I was like, even though her leg worked fine, I was like, oh, there's still something there. And so then we did like a next layer of, you know, massaging her leg or just bringing presence and attention and feeling to it. And, and then again, it, it shifted and, you know, moved more stuff. And so it was a bit of a work in progress as well. But the whole thing around that was, again, coming back to the attunement of knowing our babies best and watching and observing and seeing where the feelings are and then seeing where they do relax and then seeing where there is tension. And I think for anyone who's starting with kind of wanting to help our little bubbers heal with birth trauma, start gently and slowly and just watch. Just watch where you can see perhaps they disassociate. Watch, as you were saying, maybe they're not really making eye contact. You know, be really curious about what it is if you do hold some space for feelings, how it is. And there's no set way of how you should do this. I think it's really important that you just tune into your baby and trust your intuition, as you said, Marianne, and be curious because often in a way parenting, what we always talk about is what is the evidence afterwards? So if your baby is really tense, like my daughter was, or if you see there's a lot of agitation in her body after she had a big cry, she was deeply relaxed. All her muscles were soft and relaxed. She would make long gazing eye contact and she would sleep really well for, for hours at a time. Before all of that, agitation, wouldn't sleep well, that kind of stuff. So for me, it was a really clear sign of when she, when I did listen to her tears, the shift and change in, in her body. And so it's, I really invite everybody to just be curious about your baby or your child and what you observe and what you see within it and start gently and slowly with what feels okay for you. Because I think, you know, particularly when we're looking at something like birth trauma, if we have our own story with it, which most people will if we've had a traumatic experience for our babies, you know, we need to make sure that we have the support we need so that we are able to turn up and listen to our babies as well. If you still have a lot of feelings and, and there's a lot of trauma there. And, you know, for me, I realized I did have PTSD. Like I was, I was not in great shape. I needed all the support I could get in order to then be able to do that for my baby. So vital, isn't it? At all at all stages of aware parenting to really get that emotional support. 
I find it interesting. The babies are really loud. All the parents are really loud. I, I see that as a beautiful message from life is this is really important information. And also babies have a lot of feelings. Like it's really normal and natural for them to have a lot, 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 lot of feelings. And I also want to go back to that whilst they're crying in arms so that the idea can be that rather than jiggling or rocking or feeding, you know, once we, we, we fed them and doing all those things that we're taught in our culture to do to babies to calm them down, we can trust that they have this inbuilt natural capacity to feel truly and deeply relaxed and that they will start expressing those feelings and the feelings might start kind of gently and then they might get more and more intense and that's that's often a, a tricky point for parents where our own feelings will come up especially if we've been left alone to cry you know whatever happened to us when we tried to express our feelings as babies will show up and again as you were saying now we can really pause at any time you can just communicate that to your baby you know maybe say something like I think you've got more feelings to tell me sweetheart and I'm I need to pause now or I'm I've got some my own feelings so I'm going to stop I'm going to jiggle you or I'm going to feed you or I'm going to distract you and I will listen again later so again we're really communicating to them but also really watching them whilst they're crying you may find that they they're kind of spinning round and round and round or again you may find that they keep pushing their feet up against our leg and that when we we put our hand there and really meet them with deep love and connection and say you know I'm here with you that they can they push against us with that leg and again they're really revisiting that birth experience they're actually going back and re-experiencing what they experienced but this time we're there with them listening to those feelings so they get to actually express what they didn't get to express and they get to feel their sense of power because they're actually getting to to do what they needed to do and for you know babies had interventions they might need to do a lot of you know you know thrashing out with their arms and legs where they didn't get to do that fight or flight so where they were in and freeze or dissociation that that can be a really important part of the process where they're actually getting to you know move out of that dissociated state into the into the energy and power in their bodies and getting to push away and and what you might find is when you put your hand there perhaps on their foot or on their head again you might feel called to touch the head that the the crying may intensify you may find that's this really powerful sense of like this clear channel of the feelings coming out really directly and and clearly they're actually getting to express what they were feeling during that part of the birth or what they were feeling during that part of the intervention and what an incredible and amazing honor that we get to listen to our babies and to actually support them in, in completing anything they didn't get to do, to support them in feeling what they felt. But this time they're actually getting to release all those stress hormones from the body. They're getting to express the feelings of outrage or terror or overwhelm or grief, whatever it was. And we are there with them, which is why when babies cry in these ways in our loving arms, always being held always with that beautiful touch is they have really big loud feelings and that can be so new for us in a culture that tends to not, not even think babies have feelings let alone that they're healing from stress and trauma so it's really normal and natural for the feelings to be big and loud and long and at any time if you feel overwhelmed unsure or concerned that they might have a need you can always stop them and again often that if we can stop them through feeding or jiggling or rocking, that can give us reassurance. Oh, actually they are, you know, they're, they're all is well. And, you know, we can do our own next bit of listening, phone our empathy buddy, share about what came up for us and just doing that little bit by little bit. And the other thing I really want to say is, you know, if, 
for all babies but if you come home you know if you've been in hospital and your baby has been in the special care baby unit or the NICU you may find suddenly that they you are giving them the dummy all the time or you're feeding them all through the night like every half an hour every hour or you seem to be just rocking and jiggling them all the time so from an aware parenting perspective what we can see then is that they are trying to express feelings and what what you're doing in each of those cases with beautiful love and compassion is actually preventing that process so all of these things are often not recognized as being signs that actually a baby has feelings to tell us so if you if you do find that your baby seems to be wanting to feed every you know really really frequently or they just you know, their tents are agitated or they are doing this back arching, which again, through, during crying is often part of that reliving and healing from their birth is to, to see, you know, does this resonate with me, this information? Is it possible that they are healing from some birth experiences there? Mm, that's beautiful information. That's so helpful. And, and I was just wanting to also flag too, you know, if you're sitting here thinking, well, how do I prevent birth trauma at all? <laughs> I don't think there is a way that we can. And I think, again, every experience is unique. You know, I'm reflecting as you were talking, Marion, that some of the most beautiful births I ever went to were cesarean births, were elective cesarean births, where it was incredibly calm and peaceful. You know, I would invite the parents to talk to the baby before they were about to go into theater, tell the baby what was going to happen, you know, skin on skin as soon as the baby was born, all that kind of stuff. And for whatever reason, they had elective cesareans that they needed to. And the baby came out very, very relaxed and very happy. And, and it was a really positive choice for the whole family. And then I've also seen beautiful magical water births at home that have felt pretty full on, you know, for the, the parents and for the baby. And I don't think there is a right way to do it so that we don't do it. And I think this is an important part of what we talk about in aware parenting from babies all the way up to teenagers. There's no way we can prevent our children from feeling feelings, right? They're going to have feelings no matter what, because we're in a human body and yeah, we're we can minimize trauma. Let's, of course, let's do it. But sometimes it happens even with our most well-meaning intentions. And it's the same as, you know, I don't want my toddler to ever have to, you know, be left out or I don't want my my child, you know, my school-age child to not get picked in a team because then they'll, we, can't, we can't shelter our children from life experiences. But what we can do is provide safety and holding and beauty and consciousness and awareness and attunement to help help them process what that feels like because we are feeling beings and the job on earth isn't to never have bad stuff happen and never have to feel hard things. It's knowing that we have the inbuilt healing mechanisms to process tricky things and come out the other side and be whole and, and enough in who we are. So I just wanted to flag that of that if you're sitting there thinking, okay, well, how do we prevent this? Like, Sometimes stuff happens, sometimes forceps are used, sometimes inductions happen, sometimes there's cesarean bursts, sometimes there's straightforward normal vaginal bursts and there's still story. I think we make choices that that feel good with us and I always invite anybody who is pregnant to get educated, get really educated. There is some amazing education out there to make sure that your care providers, you know, value what you value you know, choose your support wisely, you know, be be prepared, tune into your body, give yourself the best chance 
benefits of having a beautiful, positive experience by putting those things in place. And then we also have to let go and just trust the baby's journey and trust our own experience and our own journey. You know, I've worked with many women who have ticked all the boxes of this is the right way to do it and it didn't work out that way. And sometimes birth is bigger than us. Sometimes there is a whole other story at play there. And I absolutely learned that with my third birth for sure. And I guess I just wanted to offer that no matter what unfolds and what happens, healing is always possible. And we can't shelter our children from having experiences. And for some, that is going to be birth trauma for our babies. For others, it's not. For some, stuff's going to turn up when they're toddlers. For others, it's going to be in the teen years. And our job as parents is to stay deeply connected and attuned to our children so that we see it and that we're we're aware of that and we keep creating these safe spaces for them to process and offload and speak and cry and feel the parts that are really challenging so they can come back to that center point. They can come back into balance. They do know that they are safe and loved and they are okay in the world. Oh, I think that's so beautiful. I was muting myself so that there wasn't so much background birdie noise. Mm, So beautiful, Lau. I did want to show a little bit about also the ways that we can help our babies heal from their experience, even if it wasn't like in classical terms, attached traumatic rather. So I'd love to share a little bit about my son's experience. So I had a really gorgeous birth. It was very, very quick. My My daughter's was really, really long. My son's was really quick. And I'd... I was also a, a calm birth teacher and had been a hypnobirthing one before that. And I used all those things. And when my son was born, he, he came out really quickly and he latched on straight away. And his, his latch was so tight that it was excruciatingly painful for me. And I'm so grateful that he was my second baby and not my first one. Because if I if it were my first baby, I'd been just like, oh, my God, breastfeeding is really painful, isn't it? But because I'd had this completely different experience with my daughter, I knew straight away, oh my gosh, so it was posterior, they were both posterior, he was posterior in an hour and a half birth, and I realized straight away, oh my gosh, he has got a whole lot of tension in his lovely little jaw and in his skull from this really fast experience that he had, and thank goodness I knew that there were two things I could do I knew that I could listen to his feelings and that actually listen to his feelings would also help release the tension and I knew I'd also been having craniosacral therapy during my pregnancy and I knew that she was coming so she came in day day one as well and so what I did is starting on day one which again I was no way I would have listened to my daughter's feelings on day one you know first time aware parenting but I was an aware parenting instructor by then she was four and a half I'd listened to many hundreds of hours of crying and supported many parents so I was like really comfortable with him crying so I listened to him crying the first time crying in arms I didn't jiggle him you know I didn't rock him I did you know he had actually fed but you know it was painful so I listened to one chunk of crying and then I fed him after that and already his jaw was so much more relaxed his latch was so much more gentle and beautiful and so over that first 24 hours I listened to three cries in my loving arms and after each one he was his jaw was more and more relaxed and after that third one it was it was totally fine so he it had gone from this excruciating latch to this you know beautiful relaxed jaw that he had and we went on to have a gorgeous lovely breastfeeding relationship so what I want to say and I, I know they're often 
big feelings in relation to breastfeeding and crying in arms. And what I've experienced in, in that experience there and working with so many parents is that, you know, actually can really support babies to to heal from things, not only emotionally, but also physically. That This is really a physiological thing. Just as you said now, when you when you could feel your daughter each time relaxing your arms, like when when babies are in, in that fight or flight or freeze, there's a whole lot of tension in their bodies. Every time they get to express these beautiful feelings and they get to move their bodies and release that tension, they feel more and more and more relaxed, which is why we see not only they can heal from, from birth trauma, but they end up just feeling more relaxed in their bodies, smiling more, just being generally happy, sleeping more easily, sleeping for longer periods, just all of the things that we can find challenging as parents of babies just is made so much easier when we are able to listen to their feelings. So although it's a huge ask and is a big thing and you know, can bring up all our own painful feelings. It's, it is an incredible experience to go through. And I don't know about, well, I do know about you, though, because you've shared this many times, but I know for me, those memories of listening to my children's feelings when they were babies, as well as toddlers and children, they're some of the most sacred memories I have. And I think we're both going to cry, but just to actually get to, to hear the feelings of our babies what they actually feel the depth of it that these little beings they may have tiny little bodies but they have huge feelings and they feel all the feelings that we feel I mean they don't they don't yet feel guilt and shame because they haven't learned those ways of thinking but they feel <laughs> terror and overwhelm and grief and confusion they feel just like us and that's to me the biggest honor to sit there and to listen and to listen and to listen and to know that they are being so deeply heard in ways that reverberate throughout their whole lives as we go full circle to what we where we started you know to to really see what a huge difference this makes so although this can be one of the hardest things we might ever do it's going to invite us to face our own feel our own feelings in ways we might never have done to me it's been one of the most incredible things that i ever got to do is to listen to my baby's feelings and and toddlers and children you know just such a gift and an honor mm. I second all of that. Yeah. And it's big. And I, I just want to say again to all parents listening, please do what feels right for you. Trust yourself. If that might look like breastfeeding or a dummy or a pacifier or what, whatever it is, you know your baby best. It's like really trust yourself and your little one. And maybe this resonates now and you're like, oh, wow, okay, I'm going to start listening more. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe you're like, well, too confronting and that's okay. Put it to the side. Maybe you'll come back to it in six months. I find, and you probably found this too, Marion, often sometimes people find it easier to be with their toddler's feelings than their baby's feelings because, it, you know, we can often feel that babies are helpless or there's something wrong or they're hungry and that kind of stuff. And, again, we totally hold space for however that looks and feels for you as a parent and we really invite you to do what feels right for you and maybe that's five minutes of listening and then feeding again and that's okay like do whatever feels okay for you and just be curious be curious watch observe you know tune into yourself get the support you need you know there is no right or wrong way to do this and you know for both of us we have had such profound experiences with this work and not only just personally in our families but with the hundreds and hundreds of parents that we've supported around this and we've seen how powerful it can be not only healing trauma but creating more connection and just so many incredible things with 
it. So at the end of the day, Marin, we both always come back to this deep compassion for yourself, for our babies, for the jobs that we're doing. We're all doing the best we can. So we really invite you to hold everything that we've said today with deep compassion and tuning into what feels okay for you. And as Letha Salter, who's the founder of Aware Parenting, often says it's never too late. So if your child is five or eight or 15, like they will be, or 25, like it really is never too late to listen to the, to the feelings that they had and to support them in healing from what they experienced during the birth. So you know, I love what you say, Lau, like if, if this is just overwhelming right now. And, you know, I know for me, I didn't, for me, because I'd done, I needed to go really early on in my life and do lots and lots of healing around this. So I actually did have a really gorgeous experience with my children's births. But I know, you know, later on that with a separation, there was a huge trauma. And it really took me some time to, to get to a place where I was able to listen to my children's feelings. So I think so often we really just need to do our own healing first in order yes. to actually be able to do it. Or sometimes it happens parallel. Or sometimes, you know, everyone's different, but you know, you, your journey is your own and we just yes. love you in, in wherever you are in that and however it looks for you because each of us have such a different experience. Yes, 100%. So if if you're curious about this and you want more information, we recommend Aletha Salter's book, The Aware Baby. Go and have a read. It, it, it really does explain a lot more around the philosophy of this and the science behind it. And so if you're wanting just some more information, go and check out The Aware Baby that might give you some, some insight and, you know, Aletha's latest book too around raise, what is it? Yeah, the title, really healing traumatized child. traumatized child that might have stuff in there for you as well. And, and also too, you know, we really recommend there's some aware parenting instructors who have really great insights around birth and, and specializing with babies. And so you can reach out to us if you want us to put you in touch with some of them or, you know, again, there's lots of amazing people out there who do some work around birth trauma and birth debriefing. And, you know, there's some great people out there to, to access wherever you are in the world. Yes. Yeah. So have you got a offering to finish off? Yeah, I would love to say I've got a few different offerings around this. I have Aware Parenting Babies Q&A Vault. It's just a little 50 Australian dollars thing with lots of different questions and answers in audio form. I have the Aware Parenting Babies course. That's that my dear colleague and I, Helena Mooney, she came on the podcast a while ago talking about travel that we've got. That frog is back so loud. And I actually, because I've, I've just been going through another level of healing of my own birth experience and really just getting even deeper, I have been feeling called for the last, ever since I went through that, to offer a couple of spaces for people who just want to do, who've got babies who've experienced birth trauma and want some support with that. It's not so much for the parents, but actually to really support the, the babies to, to do that healing process. So just contact me if you're interested in that. Yeah. Do the babies get to get on Zoom with you, Marion? The babies, do you want to have a little chat with them? And I say, I'm, just, I'm chatting to your, your mum or your mum, your dad, or your dad, and your dad, and your mum, your, whoever it is, and we've got this, and, you know, we're going to listen. And you're, you know. <laughs> it's the babies, it. not the I parents. Just imagine the babies we'll be listening. up in front of Zoom. <laughs> I will be listening to them, to whoever it is, the parents as well. But what I mean is it's not so much about uh, I know what you mean. Right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so beautiful. Oh, so beautiful. Funny. Yeah. yeah. I also, I've got another offering as well right now. I've got my loving limit, 
nothing to do well like, it can be as well but loving limits deep dive that i've just created which i'm really in love with too so if you want to learn about that that's that's up too at the moment <laughs> no, what have you got now have you got another you've got you're in your immersion you've got another oh, one immersion going on no i don't know this, this might be it for the end of the year but there's lots of other things going on i've just still got my webinars and courses on my website or my couple's course actually i was just posting something about that today if anyone struggling a lot with their partner and being on different pages and my couples course really does go through a lot of the aware parenting philosophies and theory and tools and also helps you explore a bit further into your own stories and prints and relationship and how you both turn up so I have that there that people can do anytime if they need it can be really um, vital can't it with things like this I think so often oh, yeah. all, all our feelings will show up and, yeah and do you know we didn't talk about this but one thing I used to find too when I worked in birth for a while and and did a lot of births briefing trauma work is just how little space was often held for partners or dads around this and how many men particularly I would meet that were very traumatized by the birth experience but never had an opportunity to express it or be heard with it and I think that's something that also needs holding to for men particularly when they're watching stuff like this unfold and they can feel incredibly helpless and powerless and you know there's a lot there as well so I, you know, that is something else I really recommend for for a family, for a couple, you know, that they each have the opportunity to be heard and process their side of the story and and then for your baby. Because again, as we've talked about, when we can do our own healing around it, it creates more space for us to then meet our our children and listen. So it's really important too that we are supported in our healing. It's so vital, isn't it? Do you know what? I forgot yeah. one thing as well that I really wanted to say, which is if your baby has been separated and they have gone through kind of the, the kind of things that perhaps your daughter has, it can be really important to also focus on the attachment style parenting part of aware parenting. I cannot believe mm. I didn't say that. So in particular, babies who've experienced separation, they really need those reparative experiences of lots of skin to skin. If you're if you're willing to co-sleep or have the little thing on the side of the bed, if you're willing to carry them rather than put them in a stroller, those can be they're important for all babies, but they're particularly important for babies who've experienced yes. separation. And so, yeah, just really hundred percent. I yeah, I agree with you. That's that, that was my go-to as soon as I got Tali home. I was like, we need to feel each other a lot, and that. That just was so profound of that skin. And, and pretty much it was either myself or my husband or her siblings that she was skin on skin with someone for weeks and was just being held a lot and all those things. So, yeah, that was really vital as well. Yeah, and I just want to oh, say one more thing because it's little yes. baby me who's like who has really experienced that is this kind of skin hunger that I've, I have revisited that I felt as a, a baby left alone. So it really is. I know it can be hard to carry a baby or to have lots of closeness with them and you might feel all kind of touched out. But actually, you know, again, getting listening for that so you can really, really give your baby that lovely closeness that they that they really need if they've experienced separation. So mm-hmm. just wanted to say that. Uh, yes. <laughs> It isn't just, I mean, I'm not having any more babies, right? I have adult children now. But the thing I miss the most is that skin on skin with a baby. Honestly, there is nothing better in the world. And when you just put your head down and smell the top of their head, it's yeah. like, uh, oh, my God, it's like a drug. Right? There is actually, haven't they? They've done studies yes. now in terms of actually this, the, this. It releases what dopamine are they in the brain yes, and oxytocin. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> All that kissing and sniffing is really yes. important as part mammals. of it, right? It <laughs> yes. is. It helps us bond. It totally helps us bond. Yeah. But honestly, there's nothing better in the world than having yeah. a baby on your body. It's just, oh, 
can't wait for my kids to have babies. Grand- I'm, I'm ready for grandbabies. So yeah, I got puppies now. That's that's doing the, doing the same, similar, not quite the same, but similar. I don't know if you get the same dopamine here no, when you it isn't smell their the head. It isn't quite the same, but it's but it's still yummy. Yeah, pretty cute though. Very cute. Anyway, all right. Well, thank you everybody for being here again. I just want to say, please go gently with yourself if today's podcast has brought up feelings for you please reach out if you want some support there's a lot of resources out there please connect in with us you can do that through instagram or facebook and yeah we invite you to be really gentle with yourself thanks for being here so much love to you and so much love to your little inner baby too Thanks for joining us on the Aware Parenting Journey. Please follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the Aware Parenting Podcast. You can find more about Lael at www.laelstone.com.au or find Marion at www.marionrose.net. We wish you much compassion and grace on your parenting journey.